Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Daikin. Hey, Texans fans, get a home field advantage this summer with Daikin Air Intelligence Tips you can use to beat the heat in your home. Learn how to lower your energy costs, reclaim your outdoor space, and breathe easier by improving your indoor air quality. It's all part of Daikin's Air Intelligence, and you can learn all about it by visiting daikinloveshouston.com. As one of Houston's largest employers, Daikin is doing big things for your fellow Texans. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer today. Now back to the show. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Texans Radio Studio mobile version, of course, as it's been for, I don't know, nine months, maybe? About nine and a half months, maybe longer than that. But it's all good because we get you radio wherever we are and whatever we're doing. So welcome in. We've got an hour for you before. It's Bills v. Patriots. Wow, that's going to be a good one tonight on Monday Night Football I'll tell you what, I really like watching these Buffalo Bills. Really, really like watching these Buffalo Bills. And who am I? Well, I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And we will take you right up to Bills v. Patriots on Monday Night Football right here on our flagship Sports Radio 610. We'll break down what happened in Week 16 a little while later. But we're going to kick off the show with our good pal who we had a great talk with. Andre Ware talking about any number of things. Yesterday's games, TCU Arkansas, which he's going to call. We got a lot of stuff to talk to you about with Dre right here. Let's go. I want to go a little glass half full, glass half empty. First of all, the offensive line, we've been talking about them doing a nice job yesterday uh, with a revamped situation at the tackle spots. Both your starters out, as it turns out. And they're able to move the ball very well, protect Watson very well until that last play at the end. And that was just one of those things that happens. But overall, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought uh, we were giving away uh, player of the game. And, and I thought the entire group deserved uh, player of the game for the way they played. It's it's hard to, to uh, develop chemistry, even when you have off seasons and things of that sort of weeks to work on it as a group. And I told you yesterday, sometimes – uh, the best five players aren't the best uh, off make the best offensive line. It's the best five players you can get to play as one group. And they came together pretty quick yesterday. I thought uh, they deserved a lot of the credit. Uh, obviously, there was a play late in the game, but certainly if you go through, there are obviously other plays that you could point to in that game along the way. But uh, that, that may have caused them the game. I thought they played well as a group. A couple of young players getting their feet wet for extended periods of time. Uh, Charlie Beck, for the most part, I thought he held up very, very well. And, uh, you know, he had been able to, to either even put on a, 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 set of, a set of shoulder pads for on game day for the most, for most of the season. So I thought he played well. I thought uh, the rest of the, the group – I uh, just kind of came together and allowed him to run the football as well as he gave Deshaun uh, Watson time. Dre, you mentioned right there Deshaun Watson. You've played that position, and you've played in front of your starting offensive line. You've probably played in front of a line that you went, wait a second, I got this guy out, I got that guy out. How much mm. of a uh, – what's the right word to say here? How much of a, a mental situation is that for a quarterback to go, holy cow, I got two new tackles and I got a new guard in there? How do you think Deshaun handled that? But how tough is that as a quarterback to know what's in front of you and then to perform the way that Deshaun did yesterday for the most part? 
Yeah, that happened to me in Detroit. And, uh, you know, for, for a brief second, you, uh, you think about it, but then it's, Hey, I got to trust the guys to do their jobs. And so you quickly file it away somewhere in the back of your mind and you just go play football. We happen to win that week, that, that weekend. So, you know, it can be done. Guys just, just have to play together. They got to, that, that's the group that's the most important on the entire football team as, as a position group or grouping of players. Uh, they've, you've got to have everything in sync up, up front. And I thought yesterday that young group with Roger Johnson at, at left tackle and Sharping at left guard, um, they came together pretty quick and uh, and allowed David Johnson to have the afternoon that he had. It allowed Deshaun Watson to throw his 30th and, and uh, franchise setting touchdown pass. It was that group. And so, uh, you know, you got to give them some credit. So Johnny was saying that that group might suit Johnson's style a little bit more, just the way they played. I, look, I, the Bengals mm-hmm. don't have a good record. We get it. But they've been in some close games, and they have they held the Steelers to 17 at their place, or they held the 17, uh, Steelers to 17 on Monday Night Football anyway in a big game for Pittsburgh. What was it about David Johnson yesterday? What was different? Because, boy, that would have been great from the get-go, that kind of stuff. We just weren't getting that as a group. I mean, I'll put it as a group thing, but clearly that was his best day. I think he had uh... – basically road graders up front that could hold blocks a little bit longer and and they don't understand yet that um a backs through the hole so they're still blocking and and i think that's what david needs uh as in terms of being able to hold up the uh a block just a little bit longer to allow him to get to full speed and then once he bursts through uh then you got something he hit two big home two big runs uh, if I'm if I'm remembering right, yesterday and it yep. was later in the game, and so that tells me that they were actually wearing down uh, Cincinnati's front seven with the blocks. That it's happening later in the game rather than the early success, and then it drops off. So uh, it's big credit to them up front. Drake, Mark, and I talked about this a little bit, and. Playing offense, you don't think about you know turnovers. You want to try and avoid them, but as a defense. You think, man, uh, we've got to go get turnovers. This team has not done it. So I'll ask you this. Turnovers, do you think it's something that can be coached or do you think it's ju- it just has to be inherent in a player to go find the ball? And the person I think about a lot is Tyron Matthew. Tyron was a ball magnet no matter where he was playing and what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He just somehow found a way to the football and could go take it away or punch it out or do whatever. Do you think that's something that can be taught, or do you think it's going to have to be personnel that helps the defense go get the ball better than it did this year and the year prior? Yeah, I actually think it's a little bit of both because, for for example, you mentioned Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew plays within the system, but then he he uses his instinct. So there's a freedom within the system that he plays with, and and that comes from being confident in knowing what you're doing. And if you're all the time – shuttling players in and out of a lineup, then I don't think the majority of them are playing with a whole lot of confidence because they're thinking uh, their way through what to do within the system on this particular play. As well, if you're going to have turnovers happen, I think I mentioned this during the game yesterday as well, you've got to have pass rush. And sometimes pass rush sack isn't always the best thing to have happen. The hurry is the best thing to force a quarterback to uh, step up or, or get the ball out in a hurry where he's going somewhere faster than he wants to. 
maybe there's a distraction enough for him to throw a bad ball and, get, and allow a defensive back or linebacker to get a jump on it in certain situations. I don't know that uh, that Brandon Allen was touched yesterday, let alone pressured. And I mean, there may be a few on the stat sheet where it says he was pressured a couple of times, but uh, for him to throw for 371, he wasn't pressured enough. Trey, the Texans take on the Titans on Sunday, and I was hoping for this. I didn't want to see the Titans rest starters and stuff like that. Uh, so this becomes a 325 kick. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this one? I mean, this is going to be tough. Well, we you got to stop the Cincinnati ground game. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 game on, you know, because now they need this one, and uh, they hold the the tiebreaker over Indianapolis and so so on and so forth. So they got to come in and and, uh, and have this game happen for them. Um, and for a lot of different reasons. So they're gonna, they, they can't afford to rest anybody. And so now you get to play the spoiler role. This, you know, anybody, any Texans player watching that game last night should say, okay, now it's on. We, we finally get a chance to, to, in some indirect way, affect them on a Sunday afternoon where it matters to them. And uh, that's enough right there to, to strap it up and, and come into work this week and, and get things done. Dre, with the Titans, we saw them last night in Green Bay. Mark and I talked about this briefly. They got Derrick Henry, arguably the best running back in the league. They're playing in snow. You would think this game would suit them, and yet they're down 19-0 and really kind of took Henry out of the game because the Packers jumped up on them as such. We've seen that team up close. We saw them in week six. Now we're going to see him in Week 17. We've seen him throughout the year because obviously we watch the AFC South. What's your overall thought about how far that Titans team can go in the playoffs? Um, I think when you have a running game, uh, obviously the caliber of what they're dealing with or what they have, you can go pretty far. I think Tannehill's playing uh, some outstanding football as well. They showed a, a stat that was kind of crazy with him in terms of how every so many passes. I don't remember exactly what it is. But uh, he's throwing a touchdown pass uh, in that period of time. And so I didn't really know that. And really, you, you really don't think of him in that manner. But he's played, a trem- he's played tremendous this season and, uh, and a lot of consistency from that spot. So we were always worried about if Tennessee got a guy that uh, could consistently operate from behind center. And then you mix in Derrick Henry. I think the uh, A.J. Brown is growing as a receiver. Corey Davis, he's growing as a receiver. Janu Smith is, in my opinion, one of the more athletic and better tight, young tight ends in, this, uh, in the NFL or in the league. And so they present a problem to a lot of, lot of different defenses where they can just pound away. I mean, I, it's a direct conflict to what and how Kansas City wants to play because they're, they're offensive and on the field a lot with the way the Titans go about their business. So if, if there's a team out there that can, can keep Kansas City's offense on the sideline during the playoffs, it would be Tennessee because of the style in which which they play. So it's it's ugly, it's dirty. Uh, you look up and it's 1914, and that's how they want to play it, an ugly, muggy game that when you look up late in the fourth quarter, they're still hanging around. Obviously, that didn't happen in Green Bay with uh, Aaron Rodgers and that passing attack last night. But that's usually in, in uh, you know, on a neutral field or a field that's not snowed in and conditions like that. Um, th- they're usually hanging around late in the game. 
Can you guys straighten me out on something? This this recent, and it's relatively recently, in the last few years, and it's really ballooned this year, these percentage probabilities out there for things happening drive, drive me crazy. I don't care. All right, so Miami's win probability on Saturday night after the Raiders, you know, the Raiders had the lead late and everything before Fitzy made the twisted head throw. Or I don't know what they're going to call that game in Miami, Johnny. But anyway, before Fitzy made the throw, <laughs> it was like 99.9%. Of course it was. Duh. <clears throat> or how about the Cowboys' chances of making the playoffs 2.6% earlier this month after they lost to the Ravens? Yeah, I know. They were out of it. But guess what? Now they got a shot. Not that I'm rooting for them, but now they got a shot. I don't need to know these percentage probabilities. Dre, the chances of you winning the Heisman Trophy when you were five years old were probably like .000 whatever. <laughs> the chances of me being an NFL announcer, who cares? Let's just play ball. Live your life. These percentage probabilities, you cannot go by this. Except when it comes to one. Th- no, I'm just kidding. What do you guys yeah, think? It, Am I going too just, far here? No, no. It's producers that use on those use those things as a crutch when they're doing games. And so that's a stat that they can easily just kind of trot out there uh, that, that they've dug up from somewhere or somewhere quickly that they could get to. So it's, it's, it's just lazy producing, in my opinion. And, and uh, they're able to you know, hey, let's stick this in the game, and then the announce crew has to use it because it's uh, it's coming from the producer uh, that that nobody sees or hears. That that's that's definite. I can I can promise you that announcers aren't on board with those those kinds of stats. Well, and yeah. and here's the other thing, Mark. The 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 obvious what you're talking about is media driven, et cetera. Where you got to be cognizant of it is. Our coach is being told, hey, coach, you got a 93% chance to win if, as John Gruden did, play for the field goal here. If in, And that's where it gets kind of tricky. And at that yep. point, I'll go back yep. to Michael Jordan in the last game. They said in his second year, look, there's a 10% chance that you could get hurt again and it'll ruin your career. And he's like, yo, but what about the 90% chance? I'm willing to go that way. And that's what a lot of coaches yeah, are yeah. doing is, well, okay, what's my percent chance to win here if I do this? Well, it's going to be 78.5. But what if I do this? Well, it's going to be 27. Now, when you start looking at it from that perspective, and not just applying football logic to a situation, you're going to do what John Gruden did the other night, and that was not get the touchdown and run off the time, which the Dolphins were going to give. They were going to give up the touchdown. The play before, when Jacobs goes down, you should have known at that point, oh, they'll give you the touchdown. Take the touchdown on third down, get the two point conversion, and now you don't get beat by a touchdown. But yeah, I think I think it's just a little bit different in the analytics that you're talking about and what what Mark talked about. There are always analytics in game where things do you kick the field goal, do you go for the touchdown here? But there isn't the and it gives you a ninety percent chance to win if you do it this way. That that part of it, I think, if I'm understanding Mark's question right, just kind of in there. But there are always going to be analytics based on uh, how coaches think in certain situations of a game, punt it versus going for it and things of that sort. But when it just kind of pops up there randomly after the fact and you're just sitting there like, duh, really? That those are that's the that's the those are the analytics I think Mark's referring to that that irritates yeah. But I think that what Johnny brings up is interesting as well because, you know, I might have uh, whatever percentage of making a fourth down conversion late in the game or going for two and making it, but my team might be tired. Uh, Maybe my O-line's getting pushed off the ball. Maybe they're dominating, and it's even a greater percentage chance of converting or whatever the case is. There are other factors. Like, it all depends on the data you pump in to create these percentages. 
there's not a guy in your ear saying, hey, coach, if you, you know, the team's tired, it says in the analytics that uh, it's a 3.4 <laughs> chance to, I there's know, not a I guy know, in Gruden's ear saying that. You know, right, that's right, that's being right. made as a coach. Well, uh, but there are teams and, that have a guy. There are teams that have a guy that is calculating those percentages, not all, I not bet, every single team throughout the league, but in I certain teams throughout the league. damn thing. I bet they're not winning a damn thing. <laughs> well, I mean, they're not. Well, let's say you let's say you go by their recommendation and then you lose. What's the accountability factor there? It's like, yeah, well, exactly. it works at blackjack. You know, it's like when I'm at the card table, these percentages play out just fine because there are no other variables at that. Well, there are people at the table making their decisions. I get it. You don't oh, want to be at that. What is it, the third base? Trey, when you play blackjack, you want to make sure Ooh. somebody good is sitting at third base, mm-hmm. right? Always. They better be good. The guy making they, the, they, if, he can't, if he can't play, I'm out of there. It, I, it takes, <laughs> and it course. takes one deal of the cards to figure it out. If, if he can't play, I, <laughs> hey, good knowing you guys. I'll see you around. There are plenty yep, other tables yep. to play throughout the entire yep. casino. No, it's no true. doubt. But I, as a matter of fact, I, look, I'm always I, trying to be the guy at third base. You, you'd rather have that seat, sure, because yeah. you feel yeah. confident in your abilities. First, See, first I like or that. Third, okay, no doubt. This is this is a pure subjective question here, but obviously, if you beat the Titans. Uh, you you have a chance to help the Colts here, and I'm not saying you want to lay down against anybody, but uh, and they both could end up making it, right? This is a mm-hmm. weird year. I mean, I don't know how I feel about this, but if I have a chance to knock one of these teams out, I'd rather knock the Titans out. I hate the Colts worse than any team in the AFC South, but I can't see the Titans going in. I just don't want to see this again. I don't want to see this movie again. Get out. So Texans beat them Sunday and get whatever uh, aid we need to hurt their chances. And, look, it's not like I'm pulling for the Colts or anything. Uh, The Colts have a good chance of making it, though, because if they beat Jacksonville, and I would say the odds are pretty good, even though they lost to them opening day, and Miami, Cleveland, or Baltimore lose. Now, that's an or. That's not all of them you need to lose. It's Miami, Cleveland, or Baltimore. They're in. So the Colts have a great chance of being in anyway. It's just to win the division, they need the Titans to go down. It's interesting. What are your thoughts? It's just kind of weird how the, the year has gone when you look at where the the finishing record of both those teams would be. And then on the other side, you got the Cowboys still in it if they win and some things happen in their division. And, you know, I just and, – and, you know, yeah. winning the division, whoever wins it, uh, you know, you just flip a coin, they're going to get a – you know, you get a, you get a home game from being like under a sub 500, which is, which is, uh, I think needs to be revisited. Uh, when you, mm-hmm. when everybody's playing certain divisions or, you know, basically everybody, then you need to revisit how you're, how you're setting up the playoffs based on, you know, records. I know it's been done that way for years, but who to hell with traditions has kind of been the, uh, the way things have, have gone about it. Certainly that way in college football, we don't, they don't even, traditions don't exist anymore. Teams don't play one another anymore, things of that sort. So uh, this is one I think needs to be revisited. Hey, if if they can move the extra point back, Mark, they can certainly <laughs> <Yep>. revisit <laughs> how to seed teams going into the playoffs based on win-loss records. I'm only laughing, yeah, I know, because, I know. I'm only laughing because I know that is every week. Every, every week. I mean – Look, Jay, from now on, you have to work that into every conversation. I don't care how I don't care how you do it. 
You just have to work that into the conversation. Man, the three of us have been doing games together, radio together for such a long time. It's always good to get on the air and just have a laugh. Because I'll tell you what, in the 2020 season, we haven't had many of them. But I do know if there's a sore spot for Andre Ware, it's that extra point in the NFL, man. Man, he does not like that whatsoever. So I'm indifferent. I'd rather just go for two and not have to kick an extra point, but that's just me. All right, we get back. Let's hear from the general, John McClain, right here on this Monday edition of Texas All Access. Welcome to Texas All Access. We are brought to you by Miller Lite. During this time of social distancing, cheering on the Texans over a beer might look a little different today. As the original light beer, Miller Lite has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. Whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by. Miller Lite, championship partner of the Houston Texans. Great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season. You can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLite.com slash buy beer online and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Now, here's the show. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access on a wonderful Monday evening. The sun did come up, and as Mark likes to say, that sun is Deshaun Watson, and he rises every day to look down upon the city of Houston, and hopefully he's going to be okay. Boy, that was nasty. I I couldn't tell from where I was uh, standing in my moat, where I've been all year long, 15 games solid now, I could not see what exactly it happened. I thought he got hit on the elbow again, like Deshaun had gotten hit in the game against the Bears. But it actually was his hand got caught in the face mask. I got home and my wife was like, so Deshaun is okay. Is Deshaun okay? And I said, I, I hope so. And she goes, man, that was nasty. He got his hand caught in a face mask. I was like, wait, what? And when you see it again, you're like, whoa, how did his arm just not completely come out of socket? Man, that was ugly. Very, very ugly. And Sam Hubbard didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he's, he just went and made a play. And it just, you know, those things happen. It's like Deshaun getting kicked in the eye. You know, those things happen. So hopefully DW4 is going to be okay. And we can move forward through this final game and then get on to 2021 as fast as we possibly can. With fans in the stands, back to normal, back on the sideline, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's... Let's go down the road. Let's finish up the season. Let's get new GM, new head coach, and let's move this thing in a positive direction. Okay, if I didn't say it already, I'm John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter for your Houston Texans. And there is a different John in the city that you all know very, very well, more than me, and that's John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. We had plenty to talk about with the general, that's for sure. All right, general, before we get into what, before we get into the future, let's get into yesterday a little bit. How did you see it, another late crunch time turnover doing the Texans in? I thought it was very interesting, guys, that they had to make three changes in the offensive line, and only center Nick Martin and right guard Zach Fulton were playing their normal positions and and with so many guys out, and yet they did their best job of run blocking. They gave up one sack, rookie Charlie Eck, who wouldn't have been playing if it wasn't for injuries to Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil. And got beat off the corner, and it one sack, one fumble, and it was. I felt bad for Eck, but I thought the line overall played its best game. 
best game they had running by far, 166 yards. But the defense was just awful. As J.J. Watt, I've never heard a player with the Texans uh, go off the way Watt did after that game yesterday. You can tell his frustration. His frustration, obviously, is with some players that he thinks don't prepare and work as hard as you should be working. Now, I don't, he's not talking about, I don't think, during games. I think it sounds like he's talking about to get ready for games because if they did a better job of getting ready, maybe they wouldn't have so many mistakes. But getting beat by Brandon Allen, who was coming back from a knee injury, third starter they've had it, quarterback with, with Joe Mixon out, with Tyler Boyd out, and giving up 540 yards. That's just inexcusable. All right, John, I'm going to go on that thought because I was going to ask you about J.J. Watt and what he had to say, but you, you sort of expanded on that. Uh, and you can expand further with what I'm about to ask you. Of the players that you saw yesterday on the defensive side, you and I and Mark and everybody else, how many of them do you think start for the Texans in 2021 on defense? Oh, not many, but they're getting paid just like Brandon Allen won't start. Smaji P Ryan won't start. I'm not, make, guys won't I'm not start. making an excuse. I'm not making an excuse yeah. for. I'm, no, I'm. I'm just asking a legitimate question. I'm not making an excuse because what was on that field yesterday played like absolute. Look, they're, they're undermanned. Okay, they don't have the starters out there. That's not my point. They still jumped offside. They still did dumb things. They still didn't break on the football. They just didn't create turnovers. I'm just curious as to how many players do you think, from what we saw yesterday, will start for them. Let's let's say JJ is back in 2021. Beyond JJ, how many other players that we saw yesterday do you think play and start or make significant contributions to next year's defense? Well, I believe first of all, Watt will be back. I think Watt, Zach Cunningham, maybe Tyrell Adams, depending on what they have some tough decisions at inside linebacker because he needs a new contract, and you got two guys inside making a lot of money with Cunningham and McKinney, and so I would say those. Say those two, Watt, um, trying to think any defensive lineman they know. And then in the secondary, I think Hargraves has a chance to be the nickel corner, and that's it. John McClain joining us from the Houston Chronicle. General, um, t- uh, look, I love watching Deshaun Watson play, even this season. This is It's like if we were watching basketball and watching somebody score 40 points, but the team still loses, at least you enjoyed some of that 40, but I hate losing. What are you thinking of his performance yesterday, the whole season, what you've seen from number four, especially yesterday with a running game to help out? I thought that he's played great. He's done it in difficult circumstances to not have a running game except for that one game. It shows you the balance. They had 488 yards, I believe. It's amazing. He keeps compiling those great ratings. One interception in 10 games, and that one wasn't his fault when Kenny Moore stripped it from Cooks against that first Colts defeat. Mm-hmm. But I think what he's going to – he's already or will, although I wouldn't blame in this last game if it were me, but I, he's, he's set career highs and – Every statistical category leading the league and average per attempt is amazing yesterday for him to only get sacked once. You know, it was catastrophic, but Watt's been fantastic. He's the calling card that would make the job interesting for coaches and GMs, and I think it will be a top job for coach and GM candidates. 
starting with him, of course. He's been tremendous. John, the division kind of took a little bit of a left turn yesterday. We thought the Steelers-Colts game would be a good game, but the Steelers jump out, or I'm sorry, the Colts jump out big, blow a lead in the second half. Man, Titans-Packers, everybody's geared up. It's a snow game at Lambeau, and then the Titans look like you-know-what I can't say on the radio. How do you kind of play this out this week where the Colts get the Jags at home and the Titans come here to Houston? Is it as simple as both Titans-Colts win, Titans, I guess, get the tiebreaker? How do you see the AFC South playing out this weekend, you think? And they got to have three teams lose. So I think that the Colts are going to get left out at 11-5 and five, and the Titans will be in at 11-5, and five, their first division title since – 2008 they already have their first record better than nine and seven since 2008 even though they got crushed last night a lot of times players think okay you know we can we can pack it in here win next week and win the division and uh i picked tennessee to win it before the season picked the texans to win a wild card berth and uh so i think the Colts by blowing that 24 to 7 lead and leading 24 to 14 in the fourth quarter and blowing it to the Steelers, that, uh, that, that's going to keep them out of the playoffs. I mean, 11 and 5, and you're out in a 17 field in the conference. That hurts a lot. I mean, before the season, I thought somebody's going to get in at 9 and 7 for sure in yeah. the AFC. Did not happen that way because we talked about it, John. Eight and eight league, but not enough teams are flirting with eight and eight, like the Jets with their two-win season, and that's a lot for them, according to some people. And the Texans, what they're doing because their glass emptied, and the Bengals clearly at four ten and one. Well, John, let's talk about the search. What are you expecting this week? Are you are you expecting a GM to get hired who's working for another team right now? And maybe that's a lot to ask you right now. I don't know yes, if you have any I insight do. I believe, on that. Yes, I think they'll hire You don't think it's somebody's who, out on the street like a Dimitrov or, or one of these other guys? Well, I mean, they should get interviewed. But, you know, I don't – are you going to hire John Dorsey who's been fired twice and a big part of it was his personality? I think they want somebody that's going to come in and be able to work with this guy and not be a, a, a dictator. And they want a general manager. He's going to have control of personnel. It's going to be the same setup there with Charlie Cashley and Dom Capers and Rick Smith and Gary Kubiak and Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien when Bill got there until the problem started behind the scenes. And he'll have control of personnel. He will be the main person on the search committee to recommend Cal McNair, who he wants to hire as a head coach. And I think Cal will sign off on that recommendation. He'll be continuing to head the search committee. But they got to get the GM hired. And there's so I wrote about this Friday about there's so many good candidates to be general managers. Now, may, they may not work out, but I'm talking about guys who have been really good and instrumental in team success heading personnel departments. And there's a lot of guys, some guys you could get as package deals. Titans got two GM prospects and Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, a lot of people think will be head coach. The GM at Indianapolis, assistant GM Ed Dodds, he's turned down opportunities to interview Chris Ballard's right-hand man and uh, Ed Dodds and Matt Eberflus as a head coach. San Francisco, Rob Rob Robert Sala, who we know well from his six years with the Texans. The Ryan Peters is a guy in their front office 
people think is ready to be a GM. There's several like that. The guy that uh, Terry Gertzner at uh, Seattle, it may be Brian Schottenheimer, but there are a lot of guys who've been in. Now, I've got this list from, from talking to people, exchanging emails and texts with people, and reading about what people think are the top guys and kind of putting together a list that had, uh, they were on multiple people's lists of recommendations. And so I know they want to get that GM hired. They'll hit the ground running. You know, you let agents know now, we want to talk to your client. And uh, our agents let them know, hey, my client is very interested in your job. And then, uh, like, 49ers are not going to make the playoffs. Robert Sala can do in-person interviews. He can do Zoom, whatever you want to do to handle it. Could be Cal McNair, and Jamie Roots, Jed Hughes fly to that team's city or somewhere in between to interview a guy in person. But I, I, GMs don't get recycled a lot. I think the guy that would have the best chance would be Thomas Dimitrov, who started as a, an assistant groundskeeper in Cleveland and worked his way up under Bill Belichick, Cleveland, New England, and was with the Falcons 12 years. And people hear Falcons, oh, no, I don't want a guy from the Falcons. Well, he's two-time executive of the year. He had a Super Bowl team. He had another winner and went to the championship game. He's very respected. I'm not saying he's going to get hired. I still think it's going to be somebody like they had with Gary Kubiak and Rick Smith, two guys who are going to be first-timers, unless some coach that we don't know if we don't expect gets fired, becomes available, like say when Andy Reid did or for Kansas City, he just fell out of the sky. They jumped all over him in five minutes, and the rest is history. All right, we got one final segment left of this Monday edition of Texans All Access. Big thanks to Dre and to John, of course. Let's take a ride around the NFL Week 16 style. Man, some interesting stuff happening, including the Falcons nearly being the Chiefs. Did AFC teams learn anything about the Chiefs that can help them in the playoffs? We'll find out next right here on Texans All Access. Here on Texans All Access. Here on Tex- Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Daikin. Hey, Texans fans, get a home field advantage this summer with Daikin Air Intelligence tips you can use to beat the heat in your home. Learn how to lower your energy costs, reclaim your outdoor space, and breathe easier by improving your indoor air quality. It's all part of Daikin's Air Intelligence, and you can learn all about it by visiting daikinloveshouston.com. As one of Houston's largest employers, Daikin is doing big things for your fellow Texans. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer today. Now back to the show. We got one final segment this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. Let's take a look around the NFL in week 16. Last one, well, second to last one of the 2020 season. And let's be honest, it's a victory in some sense for all of the NFL fans, the NFL, the teams, everybody. The fact that they've gotten 15 games done with the penultimate weekend coming up in week 17, which, man, there's a lot to go around. We'll kind of hit that as we go. All right, Friday game on Christmas, the Saints were outstanding. Beat the Vikings 52-33. to 
Alvin Kamara had not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six touchdowns and should have had a seventh, which would have been an NFL league record. But instead, Sean Payton handed the ball to Taysom Hill, I think in the Wildcat, actually. And he carried it in for two yards. I mean, that was it. Alvin Kamara could have had the record. But no, Taysom Hill had to get his. Either way, Kamara won all of you your fantasy leagues or either beat you in fantasy. 155 yards rushing, six touchdowns. He also had three catches for 17 yards. My goodness. Have a day, AK-41. The Saints moved to 11-4. and four. Now, they're not out of the running for the number one spot, I believe. I think I think they could get to 12 and 4. And I think the Packers, well, no, the Packers would have the bye week. No, the Packers are going to end up either being, I think, one or two, which could move the Saints to three, depending on how things go with Seattle. Seattle can still, at 11 and 4, Seattle can get to 12 and 4. And I think Seattle has tiebreakers with one or both of Green Bay and New Orleans. So still some things to shake out over in the NFC, but the Saints have positioned themselves perfectly to do that. Now, also in the AFC, NFC South, the Buccaneers beat up the undermanned on the sideline coaching staff. Lions 47-7. The Bucks get in the playoffs. Now it's just a matter of the seeding. They cannot win the division because they have lost the tiebreaker. They lost twice to the Saints. So they can still finish with the same record, 11-5, but they won't get in because the Saints beat the Bucks twice this year. The 49ers beat the Cardinals and really put a huge problem on the Cardinals getting into the playoffs. Now, that became an even bigger problem because the Bears went to Jacksonville and the Bears beat up the Jags 41-17. to And coming out of the draft, I was a huge David Montgomery fan. Well, the first play of the game against us, you saw why. You're starting to see it over the last few weeks. He had 95 yards rushing against the Jaguars on 23 carries. He averaged over four yards a pop, had a touchdown. He also had two catches for 26 yards as well as the Bears have won three in a row. They won five out of six to start, then lost six in a row. Then they won three in a row, and Mitchell Trubisky's kind of getting it together, pretty much. He still makes that one throw where you're like, Mr. Biscuit, apparently that's his nickname. What are you doing? They overcome that, though. And the Bears, 41-17, to have put themselves squarely in the playoff seat. The Bears just have to win one final game in Week 17. And unfortunately for them, that is going to be against the, I believe it's the Green Bay Packers, that they have to play a second time. So from that perspective, not going to be easy, to say the least, for the Chicago Bears. But... The Packers, and eh, we'll see if the Packers aren't ready to pack this thing in and go home. Um, but that's going to be tough for the Bears to get that dub, to get to 9-7. So if they stay at 8-8, eight and eight, that opens up all kinds of opportunities for everybody else there in the playoff race in the NFC. All right, let's move on to, oh my goodness, MetLife. Talking about screwing up your playoff chances. How about the Cleveland Browns taking on the New York Jets? This is two weeks in a row. Now, it's not just two weeks in a row that the Jets have gotten two wins. They didn't beat the Jaguars and, I don't know, the Lions. They beat the Rams last week. 
a team more than likely going to the playoffs, but not a guarantee. They beat them last week, and then they beat the Browns. And the Browns are getting it done. Jameson Crowder caught a pass, caught a touchdown pass, also threw a touchdown to Braxton Berrio, slot receiver to slot receiver. And they end up winning that game 23-16. to They came up big, big, big on a fourth down that gave the Browns a win. And man, what a game it was for the Jets to get a second win on the year. Now, on one end, you got the playoffs. On the other end, you got the draft. That win by the Jets and the loss by the Jags locked up the number one overall pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh. All right, let's go to Kansas City, where they've got a former first-round pick playing quarterback for Kansas City, and that's Patrick Mahomes. But this one was not easy in the slightest. The Chiefs had to come from behind. They were behind oh, I, kind of periodically throughout the day. The Falcons took a lead with 4.33 left when Laquan Treadwell caught a five-yard touchdown pass from Matt Ryan. That gave them a 14-10 lead. The Falcons at 4-10, maybe knocking off Kansas City. But Demarcus Robinson caught a touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes and gave them a 17-14 lead. But the Falcons came right back down the field, had an opportunity to tie it a 39-yarder, and Youngway Koo hit it right down the middle. And then it leaked right, and he missed it. And that's been kind of the story of the Falcons' season. They've been right there. Talk about us losing some one-score games. Those guys have had massive leads and blown them. Mahomes, not great. Nah, not typical. 24-44 for 278, two touchdowns, did throw an interception. And the interception was like, what's he doing? Chiefs offense hasn't quite been on track. But part of the reason that they couldn't get on track was because the Falcons' offense was phenomenal. The Falcons threw 27-35 for 300 yards and two touchdowns. Matt Ryan did. Had a 121 rating, and Calvin Ridley was a dude. 130 yards receiving on five catches, and also Hayden Hurst had a touchdown catch along with Laquan Treadwell, but the Falcons can't pull it off. So with the way things are in the AFC, the Chiefs have clinched that first spot by week. It all goes through Arrowhead for a third straight season. That's going to make it tough. Got to play those games outside. Mm, that's going to be hard. Very, very difficult. But, and maybe the Chiefs need that time off to kind of regroup. I think the teams that get a bye week this year, it's going to help maybe more than any other, maybe any other time. Because they'll be the only one getting that bye week. Thing is, you can't go anywhere. You got to just go home and rest. But you still have to get tested and do all that COVID stuff. So, Maybe not as what it used to be. That bye week's going to be hugely important uh, for the Chiefs over in the AFC. Also, a big game in Pittsburgh. The Colts jumped up on the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-7. And then with 3-16 left in the third quarter. So keep that in mind. 3-16 in the third quarter. Roethlisberger found Deontay Johnson on a 39-yard touchdown pass. That cut the lead to 24-14. Then Eric Ebron caught a touchdown pass. Then Juju Smith-Schuster caught a touchdown pass. Before you know it, the Steelers were up 28-24. And I say before you knew it because with 316, it was 738 left in the fourth quarter. So that's seven minutes and 22 seconds plus the 316. 
in less than a quarter, the Steelers erased the Colts' 24-7 lead, and they would win that game and put the Colts in all kinds of playoff trouble. Now, the Colts can get in the playoffs with a win over Jacksonville, which is to be expected. But they need some help. They need some help from the Browns, the Dolphins, or the Ravens. They need one of those three to lose. Now, you would think, okay, that's a possibility. Pittsburgh's still playing for seeding. Maybe two. they won't get to one, but they could get to two or stay at two. So Pittsburgh's still playing for seeding. They're playing the Browns. The Dolphins uh, are taking on, are they taking on the juggernaut that is the Jets? I think that's actually what's going on this weekend in Week 17. I think the Dolphins get the Jets. That, that. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The Dolphins get the Bills. Ooh, that's not going to be good for the Dolphins because the Bills are still playing for some seeding. That's going to be difficult on the, ball, on the Dolphins. The Ravens get the Bengals. So I think the Ravens, even though the Bengals have played well, I think the Ravens are going to go to Cincinnati and beat the Bengals. We'll talk about this later in the week. I think the Dolphins will lose to the Bills. The Colts will beat the Jags, and the Colts will get in, and the Dolphins will go home and try and figure out who the quarterback is going to be in the future. All right, week 16 had a lot going on, uh, including Seattle beating the Rams and essentially locking up the NFC West. I think they did lock up the, the NFC West with a lot more to play for this weekend because they could end up getting all the way to number one in the NFC and get that bye week, as we said, for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's going to be huge. Who's going to get it in the NFC? Saints, Packers, Seahawks. It's going to be a fun playoff to watch, unfortunately. You will not see your Texans in it. All right, big thanks to Dre. Big thanks to John McClain. Uh, always to Mark. To all of you for listening, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans. Go Texans. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you by Miller Lite. During this time of social distancing, cheering on the Texans over a beer might look a little different today. As the original light beer, Miller Lite has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. Whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by. Miller Lite, championship partner of the Houston Texans. Great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season. You can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLite.com slash buy beer online and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Now, here's the show.